And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Stotts Cotsworth stars as ace cameraman Casey, crime photographer from 1947. Then George Burns and Gracie Ellen star in part one of a comedy episode of The Burns and Allen Show from 1942. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're glad I'm here. I'm even more glad that you're glad I'm glad I'm, that you're here. Yeah, it was close. So, <laughs> we have Casey, crime photographer... That we're going to play to start things off. You like Casey Crime? I sure do. And then we've got a great comedy, so it's a good first hour. You know, he's like an amateur detective. He really wasn't a detective. He was a cameraman who uh, took uh, photos of crime scenes. He worked for the newspaper, right? And then he had such a keen eye for detail. It was like, I'll solve this crime since the police are having trouble. And, you know, it happened once a week. Conveniently, right, somehow it just worked out. radio show was once a week, and he solved the case once a week. So let's go back to a broadcast date of September 11th, 1947. This show is called Graveyard Gertie. Here's Stotts Cotsworth in part one of KC Crime Photographer. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Casey, Mr. Marvin, all week I've been seeing the kids going back to school. Ah, school days, dear old school days. Uh-huh. Education's a wonderful thing, all right. Sure is, Mr. Marvin. I didn't get past the fourth reader, but I learned something awful important since then. What was that, Ethelbert? <laughs> you tell him, Mr. Marvin. Why, Anchor Hawking is the most famous name in class. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of the great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, Graveyard Gertie. Night, cold and dark. A road on the outskirts of the city, a dismal road. On one side, it's flanked by dilapidated, grimy houses, billboards, and vacant lots strewn with rubbish. On the other side is a cemetery. A familiar, battered-looking car approaches, and as it draws near... I can't figure out that new rattle, Annie. Listen to it. Mm-hmm. I've been listening. But, Casey, this poor old jalopy makes so many strange noises, it's hard to tell. Now, this is something new, Annie. Sounds like the battery support. Well, I'm going to pull up here and see if I can locate it. Oh, you picked a fine place to pull up. In front of those 
cemetery gate. Oh, graveyards don't bother me. Well, I don't like them. Especially at this hour. It's almost midnight, Casey. <laughs> you see any spooks climbing out of the ground at the stroke of 12, Annie? Give a whistle. Hmm. Ah, here's one, Randall. What? The license plate. The bolt already to fall out of it. <laughs> Is that all? Yeah. Say, Annie, open the glove compartment, will you? Give me the pliers. The flashlight. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's you know. it, that's it. Huh. Won't take a minute. Uh, midnight. Uh-huh. That's a good thing I stopped when I did. Another mile and this bolt would have fallen out. Hey, Casey. Huh? Something's moving among those tombstones. What? Where? Back there. Yeah, see, behind that mausoleum. Now, coming this way, it looks like a woman. Hey, it is a woman. Yeah, I suppose so, but she seems to be just floating among those graves, Casey. Floating, Annie. Nuts. She's simply walking very slowly and weakly. Well, why should any woman be walking in a graveyard at this time of night? Well, how should I know, Annie? Hey, Casey. What? The woman's figure sank out of sight behind that tombstone. Yeah, so it did. It looked as though she went into the ground. You know darn well she didn't, but I'm going to find out what she did. Hey, Casey, don't leave me alone here. Come on with me, then. Into that cemetery? Naturally. Well, okay, but I don't like this. Just open the gate. Careful, I don't stumble over one of these footstones. Oh, Casey, I don't like it here. At your age, Annie. There. There's the tombstone where we saw her. Yeah, there's something behind it on the ground. A horrible black shadow. That's much more than a shadow. That's an old woman. A real woman? Yes, a live one, too. Hey, come here. Yeah? Annie, I think she's fainted. Oh, Casey. She's terribly old. She's coming, too. What? Who are you? Now, take it easy, Mother. We saw you fall down in here. We came to help you. Hey, guess I had one of the spells. Ain't so young as he used to be, and sometimes my heart... Uh, rest is what you need right now. Yeah, we'll, we'll take you home. Home? And see that you get into a warm bed. This is my home here. Huh? This cemetery? Yes, got myself a nice place here. Fine place. Eight by four. Okay. It's all paid for, too. I got a deed for it. It's mine. It's a beautiful grave. Uh, <clears throat> well, I hardly think it's your home right now, Mother. It's my real home, because I own it. I come here every day and every night to look at it. Oh, I see. My home. I'll be moving into it soon. Yeah, well, not tonight, you. All right, now I'll carry over the car. Uh, Annie, open the door, will you? Oh, yeah, sure. There, now I'll put you right here in the back seat, Mother. Lie back and relax. Much obliged, young fella. Yeah. Very nice boy. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome, sir. Now, if you'll tell us where you live, we'll take you home. Live? Oh, yes, the place I rent. Kingsburg, just down the road a piece. All right, you point out the house when we get to it. I will. Will there be somebody there to take care of you? Somebody to... Oh, yes. Roger will take care of me. Oh, he's your son or grandson? No, Roger ain't no relation. He's just a friend. Best friend ever had. When he asked you two to come in and meet Roger. Well, that's fine. When we meet your friend Roger, I'm going to tell him not to let you wander around cemetery this time of night. <laughs> you can tell Roger anything you've got a mind to, young fella. But he won't hear you. Huh? Oh, you mean he's deaf and dumb? No. I mean he's dead. Huh? Dead? That's right. Folks never suspected when they meet him first. You wouldn't if I hadn't told you. Never dreamed poor Roger had been dead for 40 years. Been dead? Say, what do you mean? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. I won't tell you no more now. You'll find out when you meet Roger. <laughs> You'll find out when you meet him. <laughs> 
your automobile. Okay. Terrible looking shanty, Casey. Yeah. All right, I'll help you out, Mother. Hello, right, young fella. That ride was nice. Don't get to automobiles very often. I'm going to ride in one again pretty soon when I leave this place I live in and go home. Fine, big, black automobile's going to take me, and I'll be wearing a swell black dress and be resting in a box all lined with satin. Uh, <coughs> we'll uh, take you to your door. Then you're coming in to meet Roger. Uh, well, it's uh, very late. I think we'd better be going. No, no. We've got to come in. I'll go ahead and unlock my door, light a lamp, and... <laughs> Casey, what are we getting into? That that Roger... It's something the poor old woman imagines, Annie. Mine doesn't run in very cheerful channels. <laughs> to say the least. Casey, she's unlocked three different locks to open that door. Yeah, one of her eccentricities, I guess. New young folks. Got the lamp lit. I told Roger. Come in now. Okay, Mother. <clears throat> Come on, kids. I don't like the looks of that tumble-down shack, Casey, but... Oh, okay. Get in. Right in. Now we'll shut the door. Hey, your place is nice inside, Mother. I sweep and mop and dust every morning. Oh, you're a wonderful housekeeper. Also got a kitchen. Come and see. Oh, you step. <laughs> the dish cupboards are clean, too. I'll unlock them and show you. You, uh, huh? keep your dishes locked up? I keep everything I can locked up. That's only to stop burglars who don't meet Roger first. Roger, send them out of this house lickety-split. Uh, you were going to let us meet, uh, Roger? Maybe I shouldn't have told you that Roger's here and that he's dead. But he's no fool. You two won't hurt me. Come back into mother's room. Now, Roger's there. Where? In that big trunk. In that trunk? Casey, you'll be scared when you see him. I'm warning you. Folks was always scared of Roger. He ain't changed none since he's dead. Uh, look here, Mother. What, what, Open what? that trunk and see for yourself. Lift the lid. Trunk's the one thing in this house that's never locked. Lift the lid. Roger'll scare you, but he won't hurt you. Lift the lid. Casey, she's got a dead body in that trunk. That's right. I'll see. No, no, Casey, don't. The young woman don't trust me like I trust her. I'll lift the lid and show you what's inside. Here. Good Lord. Oh, a big snake. It's lifting its head. Oh, come on. Let's get out of this house. I'm right with you, Annie. What's going on? All right, I'll put... Wait, wait, wait. What? I warned you you'd be scared of Roger. Oh, Roger's dead. Huh? This big snake is Roger. Huh? Look at him again. Uh, <laughs> Annie, the thing is just a... Oh, it's just a stuffed <laughs> snake. That's right, young fella. Oh, we saw it move. Its head rose out of that trunk. His head's on a steel spring, young woman. I had the taxidermist fella fix it that way. You see, when Roger was alive, he traveled in this trunk. When I opened the lid at the end of a trip, he always dipped his head like that and rubbed his throat against my arm. Roger had been my friend and partner for 20 years. When he died, I missed him so. I had him stop real lifelike. Roger was your, your partner? I used to be a snake charmer, young man. A snake charmer? Oh, That's in the business. I did all the good big tops. When poor Roger passed away, I lost interest in the profession and dropped out. There never was another python like him. He was a python, huh? 
It's you for every inch of him. I'm lovable. Uh, <clears throat> you look a little pale, young lady. You're going to fix your spot of tea. Uh, no, thanks. I, uh, we must be going oh, now. Oh, you can't do that. Please stay. Roger and me ain't had visitors for an awful long time. Sure, sit down, Annie. We're in no hurry. Now. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> now, some snakes ain't sweet. Take cobras, for instance, or copperheads, or rattlers. I could handle them, still can, but I never got to really like them. Mother, you and I are liking that. Oh, me too. Say, I knew we was going to find a lot of things in common. I put the tea kettle on, and then we'll have a nice long talk. Young folks in old Gertie's house again. It almost makes me feel as though the place I live in is my home. Williams stayed up half the night with that old lady, huh, Casey? Sure did, and we got a big kick out of it, too, Ethelbert. She had so many interesting things to talk about, old circus days and the gay 90s, and it was a wonderful evening. Outside of Roger. Oh, don't mention him. I'll never get over that shock. A snake. Poor old woman living alone with a stuffed snake. Yeah, wandering around that cemetery. You know, I found out that people in the neighborhood call her Graveyard Gertie. She's had nothing to live for except the prospect of a decent funeral. You say she's managed to put enough dough away for that? Yeah, skimped and saved a few dollars here and there. Casey sold Burke, our city editor, on the idea of playing... Uh, old Gertie up in a Sunday feature for which she'll be paid. Paid? Sure, for letting me take pictures and for giving Miss Williams an exclusive interview. How much will your city editor pay her? Well, a tightwad said $100 was his limit. But Casey got him up to $300. Hey, that'll look like a million to the old gal. Mm-hmm. And we're going to call on her with the check tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'll go ahead and knock at the door while you get your camera and supply case. Okay, Annie. That stuff's all here in the back seat. I'll be with you in a second. Gertie? Gertie, it's Ann Williams. She doesn't answer, Casey. Hmm? She must be out. Oh, well, I'll try the door. It's not locked. Well, then she's inside. She wouldn't go away without locking up. Uh-uh. Push it open. Yell again. Yeah, okay. Casey, Lord. Huh? Somebody's been tearing this place apart. Oh, the bureau drawers are all pulled out. Those cabinets are open. Stuff's strewn all over the floor. And Roger's trunk is open. Ooh, that awful head sticking out. Well, never mind the stuffed snake. Where's the old lady? Oh, she's not in this room. Wait, I'll look in the kitchen. Yeah, okay. Oh, she's not in here. Annie, these kitchen cupboards have been opened, too. Yeah. Look, everything she kept locked has been unlocked, Annie. Nothing's broken open. Oh, she wouldn't give up her keys unless... Unless... Yeah. Well, I'm afraid of. Oh, Casey. I don't see any blood stains. No sign of a... Wait a minute. Look here on the floor. Yeah, a piece of mud. That's clay. Well, don't touch it. It may be a lead for the police. Yes. Yeah, the cops don't like to find things monkeyed with. Annie, go find a phone. Call the cops. Get Logan. Well, Captain Logan's homicide bureau. We have no murder to report. I've got a hunch, Annie. Get Logan. Casey, your hunch has wasted a lot of valuable time for me. 
Hi, guys, they searched every inch of this neighborhood, and there isn't a sign of that old woman or her body. Where do they go over that cemetery, Logan? She walked in there every night. They've looked behind every tree and tombstone. You had no business to call me in on this. Before the homicide squad can go to work, they have to have a dead body. Yeah, sometimes I think they got one for a captain. Oh, yeah? Look, Logan, that old woman wouldn't have given up her keys without a scrap. And she was too frail to stand a scrap. Well, there's no evidence there was a scrap. This was a case for the precinct cops and missing persons bureau. I'm going back to headquarters. Okay, smart guy, go ahead. But my hunch still says this is a murder case, and I'm going to prove it. Yeah, so long, Miss Williams. Goodbye, Captain. Looks to me as though you'd put yourself out on a limb with him, Casey. Uh, How are you going to prove this is a murder? Well, maybe I did talk a little too big. He got me sorry. Hmm. Piece of mud. Must have come off the shoe of whoever ransacked this place. How did it get on his shoe? Well, how does anyone get muddy shoes? In the cemetery. A- Annie, let me think, will you? Old Gertie had so many locks and bars around this place that the neighbors probably figured that she had dough hidden here. So someone in the neighborhood laid for her, huh? Somebody who was familiar with the neighborhood and her habits. He killed her. According to your hunch. Yeah. Uh, be quiet, okay, Annie. Okay, okay. Took her keys. Hit the body. Place unknown. Huh? Oh, uh, I didn't say anything. Oh. And he came to this shack and searched for the dough that he thought was here using Gertie's keys. He didn't find what he was looking for in a locked place, so he lifted the lid of that trunk that wasn't locked. And the head of that stuffed snake popped out. Yeah, the burglar reacted, Annie, just like we did when we first saw Roger. Only he got out the door, slammed it behind him, and kept going. Wait a minute. There's one place at the cinch that burglar didn't look. And that's inside of Roger's trunk. The burglar thought the snake was the real McCoy and ran out. Annie, let's see. Right. Look. Hey, there's a metal box in the bottom of the trunk. Roger's coiled around it. A big cash box with a locked lid. Old Gertie did have money hidden here. She did. It's in this box. Annie. Yeah? I think I see a way to prove that Gertie was murdered and to get whoever did it. How? Whoever used that old woman's keys still has them. And still wants the dough that he didn't find. Well, I don't see how... Andy, go back to the office and tell him I won't be in for quite a while. Well, what are you going to do? First, I'm going to pay a visit to the sexton of that cemetery down the road. Yes, Mr. Casey, I know old Gertie. She's been a familiar figure around this cemetery. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know she's disappeared, sexton. Uh, uh... Kramer's the name. Mr. Kramer. Yes, the policeman who searched the grounds told me why it happened. They found her yet? No, no, they haven't. But they figure she's okay. She just wandered away. I sincerely hope they're right. Yes. Uh, My paper was about to publish a story on the old girl. Is there uh, anything that you could tell me, Mr. Kramer? uh... I've already told the police all I know, which is really nothing. Uh, Well, maybe some of your workmen, uh, the grave diggers, for instance. Maybe they could give me some dope on it. You might talk to them. You'll find most of them working at the northeast end today. Oh, well, I'll look them up and get acquainted. Oh, was there a burial this morning? Three of them. Three? Yes. Why do you ask? Oh, I just wondered how business was. <laughs> Manner of speaking. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a funny one. If a burglar killed that old lady, he didn't find her money. Didn't? I think the money is in a locked metal cash box beneath a big stuffed snake she had. Big stuff snake? Uh-huh. Well, thanks for your courtesy, Mr. Kramer. 
I'll go out and talk to your grave digger. Fellas have really been swell letting me interrupt your work and telling all you know about old Gertie. Thanks a million. Ah, uh, grave diggers are not such a bad fellows when you get to know us, eh, Mr. Casey? Yeah, that's right, Tony. Sorry, I couldn't give you no hint about where to look for the old girl, Mr. Casey. I sure hope she turns up in good health. Yeah, so do I, Fat. Yeah, so do I. I didn't know the old dame, but uh, I'd like her to be okay. Uh, me too, Joe. Me too. Yeah, well, thanks again. I'll be running along, I guess. Oh, uh... Since you knew old Gertie, that is all except Joe here, uh, I'll tell you a funny one. <laughs> if a burglar did kill Gertie, which the cops don't believe, he missed the place where I think she kept her dough. He did? Yeah. In a locked metal box beneath a big stuffed snake she had. Stuffed snake? Stuffed snake, you say? Stuffed snake? Yeah. <laughs> stuffed, Joe. That's the first portion of KC Crime Photographer with Graveyard Gertie. We'll get back to it after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Safety. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to KC Crime Photographer. Casey, what makes you think the murderer will come to old Gertie's house tonight? I invited him to come. See, I talked to him today. I see. You talked to him? I think I did. I think he's a guy named Joe. That's identifying him for me. I also think I know where he hid the body, Logan. Huh? Where? I'll tell you. But first, look. First, you've got to agree to follow a plan that I've laid out. Now, is it a deal? All right, Casey, it's a deal. <laughs> big scheme has worked out swell so far, Casey. We've now been enjoying the discomforts of old Gertie's two-before kitchen just four hours. And in the dark. I don't think he'll show up at all. What? Right. Lay for him again tomorrow night. Oh, that's a pleasant prospect. Yeah. Standing in the dark. Yeah. Doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. We can listen to Logan's sparkling conversation. Yeah. Nuts. Casey, what do you suppose is in that box of Gertie's? We'll find out, Annie, when it's open. Well, I'm surprised you didn't have a locksmith open it, Captain Logan. Well, why should I? Hey, shh, quiet, listen. Now, key's turning in the lock. Who do you think is using that key, Logan? Shut up. Hey, the door's opening. It's a man. Yeah, he's turned on a flashlight. Now, keep back. He's heading for that trunk. He's opened it. Do you stop, Logan? Put him up, you. you uh, Put him up, I said. Don't shoot, don't shoot. Where did you get that bunch of keys, Joe? Yeah, I... All right, all right. You can run me in for entering this house just now, but that's all you can pin on me. That's all. Do you think it'll be all when we find old Gertie's body where you buried it? I didn't bury no body. You killed that old woman. No. You killed her and buried her in one of the new graves that were dug yesterday. You dug one of those graves a little deeper last night, put Gertie's body in and covered it to the grave's normal depth. I don't know what you're talking about. You tracked fresh clay to this house last night from the graveyard. Try to prove it was me, mister. I guess there's nothing to do but take him in, Logan. Uh, come on, you. Hey. Uh, wait a minute. He's got the keys, Logan, to that box we haven't opened. We might as well see what's in it. Yeah, that's right. Open it up, Joe. Me? That's what you came here to do. All right, all right. So you got an attempted burglary rap against me. So what? So open that box. 
Okay, anything to oblige you, copper. And I'll open it up and take out what's inside. Okay, you What's the matter? A snake's in a box, a live snake. Snake? Yeah, look at my hand, the marks of its fangs. Oh, Gertie kept a live snake in there, too. Logan, that snake's a copperhead. Copperhead? They're deadly. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Get me to a doctor, will you? Get me to a doctor, quick. We knew the old girl liked snakes, Casey. Hey, for the love of... I didn't know she liked copperheads, though. If a doctor don't take care of me in a few hours, I'll be dead. That's right. Well, then do something for me. Not until you tell the truth about old Gertie. I told you the truth. Take it over, Joe. Two minutes, your hand will begin to swell. The poison will be going through your system. Hey, hey, you can't do this to me. You can't. A snake bite has to be treated quickly, or there's not much hope. Tell us about Gertie, Joe. Your hand's beginning to swell, Joe. Tell us about Gertie. The doc doesn't get to your quick. Tell us about Gertie. All right, all right, I'll tell you to get a doctor. Talk fast and tell the truth. I killed the old woman. How? I sneaked up behind her and hit her on the head. What grave did you bury her in? One of the new graves. I'll show you. You'll find it there just like I said. Now get me to a doc. Get me to a doc, will you? Just as soon as we check your story, Joe. That grave is open and we know you've told the truth. Hey, this poison won't wait till you open that grave. I'll be dead by then. Confidentially, Joe, we don't really care. You're going to let me die. You're going to let me Come die. Come You're going to the cemetery and point out that grave. Let me come And I'll take your picture, don't Hey, wait a minute, Casey. I'm not sure, Annie. What is it? Did you and Logan know there was a snake in that box? <laughs> Confidentially, Annie, we put it there. A copperhead? No. Just a harmless hog-nosed snake that we bought from the zoo. Doesn't even bite. Well, he bit that man's hand. I saw the marks. <laughs> We had the box rigged so that anybody sticking his hand in it would strike a pair of sharp-pointed nails and scratch himself. Oh, oh no. Joe won't die of snake bite. He's going to die in a chair. The cops found that poor old woman's body just as that guy Joe said, huh? That's right, Ethelbert. Which means that Joe's all washed up. What was in that box before you put the harmless snake in it, Casey? All of old Gertie's wealth. Huh? Yep. Old photograph of Roger when he was alive, the deed to Gertie's burial plot, and an undertaker's receipt for the funeral that she'd paid for in advance, and a $10 bill. Gee. And she's getting that proper funeral with trimmings. The $300 check that we weren't able to give her is buying her a nice monument. She'd like that. Yes, she would. Say, Casey, what's going to be done with Roger, that 15-foot python in the trunk? Oh, say, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ethelbert. Yeah, we almost forgot. Gertie made a will the day after we met her, which leaves Roger, trunk and all, to Annie and me. What are you going to do with him? See, your bartender, hmm? is there a guy around here by the name of Ethelbert Gibson? Oh, yeah, that's me. What's on your mind? I'm from the express company. I got a big trunk outside for you. Where do you want me to put it? Come on, Casey. I uh, think we'd better go. Yeah, so long, pals. Huh? Wait, you mean a trunk? Well, what am I going to do with... Hey, you can't do this to me. Crime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass. Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Crime Photographer is directed by John Deets. The original music is by Archie Blyer. And the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Chittison is the Blue Note pianist. And Gertie was played by Abby Lewis. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio. 
with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town. So stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is CBS, Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Casey Crime Photographer from September 11th, 1947 with Graveyard Gertie, starring Stotts Cotsworth, also in the cast Jan Minor. And you remember Jan Minor. She was Madge, the Palmolive dishwashing liquid woman on those commercials. John Gibson also, he was Ethelbert. Tony Marvin, one of the deepest voices in radio, was the announcer, sponsored by Anchor Hawking Glass, as heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. It's time now for a terrific comedy episode of the Burns and Allen Show. This is going way back to 1942, November 17th to be exact. It's called The Hatbox Hostage. Here's George Burns and Gracie Allen. Hello. Are you there? Well, we're here. Lever Brothers, the makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, present the Burns and Allen Show with Paul Whiteman. Our singer, Jimmy Cash. Yours truly, Bill Goodwin, the six hits and a miss. And George Burns and Gracie Allen. Well, today, George and Gracie are discussing a subject that most husbands never mention to their wives. In fact, it's a subject that never arises in the average American home. Let's listen. Gracie, you've been spending too much money. Look at this budget for November. Well, it balances. We're not spending any more than we make. I know, but that's the trouble. Some of the items in this budget are ridiculous. Milk for cats, $2? We haven't got any cats. No, but we have mice. Well, I don't get it. Well, if I put bowls of milk all around the house, the mice will think we have cats and they'll be afraid to come out of the holes. Oh, fine. And some night I'll kick over a bowl of milk and ruin the rug. Oh, you're right, dear. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I know. I'll scare the mice with milk that doesn't splash. Milk that doesn't splash? Sure, cheese. <laughs> yeah, that'll scare the mice to death. Oh, I'll answer it. Okay, dear. Oh, it's the postman. Good morning, Mr. Postman. Good morning, Mrs. Burns. Only one for you today, and I'm afraid that one's a bill. Oh, well, that's all right, Mr. Postman. I realize the post office only sends us what they get. How are you feeling? Oh, simply marvelous. I took a nice cold shower. Ice cold shower this morning and then ran around the reservoir a couple of times in my shorts. I guess that's what put all this pep in me. Oh, oh no doubt about it. It is a gorgeous morning, isn't it? Cool and snappy, sort of. Yeah. On a morning like this, I can feel the blood racing through my veins, can't you? Well, no, I can't, but then you're much closer to your veins than I am. Yeah, that's true. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Burns. Remember, keep smiling. Um, any, any mail, dear? Oh, it's just a bill, probably for my new hat. It only costs $12. $12? Well, George, I only buy what I absolutely have to. Just bare necessities. Is a $12 hat a bare necessity? No, but I didn't want my head to be one. <laughs> Gracie, you don't need any more hats. And today, when you buy anything you don't need, you're taking something away from our fighting men. Oh, well, gee, I, I never thought of that. I'll wrap up the hat right away. That's the idea. I wonder who would look better on, a soldier or a sailor? <laughs> 
Gracie, it's not the hat. You see, very few things are being made for civilians today. And if everybody tries to buy those things, the demand makes prices go up and we've got inflation. Oh, well, gee, the sales girl said that the hat would cause comment, but I never thought it would cause inflation. <laughs> well, let's get back to this budget. What's this silly item? Bicycle pump, one dollar. Well, that's an economy. That'll save us lots of money on breakfast food. A bicycle pump will save us money on breakfast food? Well, yeah, from now on, we'll puff our own rice. <laughs> yes, that'll save us a fortune. And what's this? Rose bushes, $75. Well, you know that florist who has that lovely big greenhouse just off Glendale Boulevard? Yes. Well, I happened to be out in that direction yesterday and went through it. Yeah, but I don't see any I don't see any rose bushes around here. Where are they? Well, there's one still stuck in the bumper of my car. <laughs> you uh you really went through Yeah, mm. but I'll save enough money to make up for it. I I'm gonna buy one of those things that conductors punch tickets with. What's that for? Well, then we won't have to pay the cleaner to take the spots out of your neckties. <laughs> I see. We just punch them out. Yeah. Mm. Look, sweetheart, from now on, we only buy what we absolutely need. The rest of the money goes for for war bonds. But we do buy war bonds every month. Yes, but if we cut out if we if we cut out these silly things, we can we can really buy more. And 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 not only that, we get four dollars back for every three dollars we put in. We help prevent inflation. And we help win the war. Oh, you're right, dear. Everybody should cut down on their spending and put that money into war bonds. That's the idea. So let's throw the silly budget right out of the window. Well, but don't you want to look at the items for our Thanksgiving dinner? Hmm. We'll cut that, too. Oh. The turkey we had last year should have had a pilot and a bombardier. <laughs> well, this year we're only getting a 12-pound turkey, three pounds for each of us. Well, I don't follow that arithmetic. Well, Blanche and Harry Morton are going to eat with us. Not again. Those sponges have had Thanksgiving dinner at our house five years in a row. They're not sponges, George. They contribute their share. Every year, Blanche brings over a jar of her homemade pickled peaches. I know, I know. And every year, Harry helps you clean the walls when the car, the jar explodes. Sure, they're, they're absolutely wonderful people. Hi, George. Hello, Gracie. What's cooking? I am. Burnt up about Harry Morton. That guy's a sponge. He's not a sponge. He is, too. We'll leave it to Bill. Now, now, wait a minute, George. I'd rather not get in the middle of a family quarrel. Bill, I'm trying to prove to Gracie that Morton is a sponge. Now, you know him. What do you say? Well, George, of course, there's only one way to tell a sponge. That is, a real sponge. You rub soap on it, and if you get loads and loads of pure baby gentle suds, you've got Swan, the new white floating soap. What's Harry Morton got to do with Swan soap? Well, now, look, George, I, I don't want to get involved in a family argument. Yeah, but just answer me one question. Have you ever known Morton to reach for a check? Well, uh... Well, come on, admit it, have you? Well, uh, maybe you don't notice his hand when he reaches across the white tablecloth to pick up a check because his hands are so soft and white. You know, he washes his wife's dishes with swan soap, George. Oh, <laughs> brother. That's swan for you, George. So kind to your hands. Mild as the finest Castile soaps. So mild you should use it not only for washing the dishes but for every soap and water job in the house. In fact, Swan is Bill, paid for everything. Bill, I'm going to get you to agree that Harry Morton is a moocher if, it, if it's the last thing I do. What about the other day when the three of us went into a drugstore for sodas? Who paid the check? Oh, you mean the drugstore that's having the sale on Swan soap? Yeah. How about that? Oh, it's going great. Lots of dealers are now running a big sale on Swan. 
Bill, I'm talking about Harry Morton. Oh, well, he bought three bars. Oh. You know, you buy three bars and save. <laughs> yes, sir, you save in more ways than one. Well, I give up. There's a guy who invites himself to my house for Thanksgiving dinner, and nobody agrees with me that he's a chiseler. Well, now, wait a minute. Did he do that? Yes. Well, anyone who invites himself to your house for Thanksgiving dinner without being asked certainly is a chiseler. There. You see, Gracie? Oh, George, that reminds me why I dropped in. Why? Shake hands with another chiseler. So long. See you Thanksgiving. Well, I'm glad his salary is frozen. It'll be easier to break off. Anyway, Gracie, there's no reason why we should buy a turkey to feed the Mortons. Well, but George... Look, look, Gracie, we... Why can't we eat at their house for a change? Well, uh, I could call Blanche and sort of hint around. Well, I wish you would. Of course, I don't want you to be too blunt about it. Oh, don't worry, George. She won't suspect a thing. Mm. I'll be very subtle about it. Uh, uh, hello? Hello, Blanche? Uh, this is Gracie. How about inviting us for Thanksgiving dinner this year? That's very subtle. What did you say, Blanche? Oh, oh, I see. Your mother and father are coming for Thanksgiving. What? Oh, no, no, that's all right. Yeah, we understand. Goodbye, Blanche. Well, Judge, Blanche's mother and father are going to be in town. I know, I heard. So we won't need to get a, a turkey for four people. Oh, good. We'll get one for six. Oh. <laughs> well, George didn't say positively that the Mortons couldn't come for Thanksgiving dinner. He just gave Gracie a dollar and a half and told her to buy the turkey. So now we pick up Gracie at Myers Market. Hello, Mr. Myers. Oh, good afternoon, Mrs. Burns. Well, now, I'm in sort of a hurry. Can you wait on me right away? Why, of course I can. What would you like? Well, I'd like to place an order for... Gracie, darling! Oopsie <laughs> Sagwell! Oh, well, it's good to see you again, Gracie. Where have you been keeping yourself? Oh, around. Where have you been? Oh, here and there. Oh, hell, no wonder we haven't seen each other. <laughs> oh, what are you doing? Shopping for dinner? Yes, I bought some nice carrots. Oh, well, what a piece of luck, Tootsie. Only yesterday I read the most wonderful new recipe. It's called Carrot Supreme. Oh, it sounds delicious. Oh, it is. First you take the carrots. Yes. And then you wash them. Yes. And, well, that's all I remember, but it's called Carrot Supreme, and it's wonderful. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to try it. Oh, dear. Mr. Myers has wandered off somewhere. Mr. Myers? Uh, yes, Mrs. Burns. Look, I, uh, I don't want to be a pest, but I am in a hurry and... Could you wait on me now? Right away. What would you like? Well, I'd like... Oh, Tootsie, I noticed you're carrying a hat box. Yes, I got a new hat at Sally's. Well, I got a new hat, too, but George made me send it back. Is he trying to act like a man again? <laughs> well, he, he was right this time. We're cutting our budget down. And besides, the hat was pretty extreme. What are the new creations? Well, yeah, with a military motive. The hat had a flat top, and when you leaned over, a little toy airplane took off. Oh, how adorable Oh, my goodness, Mr. Myers is gone again He's much too scatterbrained to run a market Mr. Myers Yes, Mrs. Burns Look, I, I hate to complain about the service But I do think you might remember that I'm in a hurry I'm sorry, Mrs. Burns, what would you like? Well, I'd like it Oh, Tootsie, look Look who's driving by the market Who, who is it, Gracie? Bill Walsh have you still got a crush on him? Not anymore. After what happened Saturday night, I never want to see him again. Why? What did happen? Oh, I invited him for dinner, and I thought it would be more cozy if I locked all the doors. <laughs> well? Well, there I was picking broken window glass out of my soup. Oh. 
Well, this is the limit. That silly Mr. Myers has forgotten all about us. Mr. Myers! Yes, Mrs. Burns. Look, if, if you want me to trade here, you shouldn't keep disappearing when you know I'm in a hurry. Okay, Mrs. Burns, what would you like? How much is turkey? Fifty cents a pound. All right, here's a dollar and a half. Give me an 18-pound turkey. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Burns, that isn't enough. Oh, yes, it is. We're only having six for dinner. No, 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 no. A dollar and a half would only buy that little turkey over there. He only weighs three pounds. Oh, wh- why didn't you pluck his feathers out like the others? Well, he might not like it. You see, he's alive. Oh. Say, I, I've got an idea. I could fatten him up, and then the Mortons could come to dinner, and it'll only cost George a dollar and a half. Mr. Myers, I'll take him. Okay, Mrs. Burns, I'll get it. Gracie, what'll George say if you bring a live turkey in the house? Oh, gee, I never thought of that. He'll be mad. He, he even had a fight with Herman this morning. Did he pick on that sweet little duck? Yeah, George yelled and yelled, but Herman didn't say a word. He just sat there quietly in the nest he'd made of George's shorts. (laughs) Such a darling. Yes. Oh, I know. I'll sneak the turkey in. Tootsie, would you lend me your hat box to hide it in? Of course I would. I've been dying to show you my new hat anyway. I'll take it out of the box. All right. Now, here's the turkey, Mrs. Burns. No, 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 no. Not by the neck. You hold him by the feet. Oh, all right. Oh, my, his little feet are chapped. <laughs> well, he, he shouldn't be running around barefooted in November. <laughs> well, Mr. Myers, why does he make that funny noise? Well, all turkeys gobble. Well, then he should eat slower. <laughs> or, or else take some bicarbonate of soda. Wait, look. I've got on my new hat. How do you like it? Well, do you want my frank opinion, or would you rather have me tell a little white lie? I- I'll take the little white lie. Tootsie, it's simply gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you, Gracie. You're welcome, Tootsie. Goodbye. Let's take a break from the Burns and Allen Show. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to the Burns and Allen show from 1942. Then, June Foray, who did a ton of cartoon voices, including Granny on the Looney Tunes cartoons. She was also... The uh, she was on just uh, she was on the Boris Badenov. She was Natasha. She did a ton of cartoon voices. She stars in a radio episode of the CBS Radio Workshop. You won't want to miss that. So Lisa, Mike, and I will be back on our next show. Be there as well.